Merry Christmas. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Hans. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I feel like I've uh, Kate has set the bar very, very high after that great kids talk, hasn't she? Uh, if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you after. I'm going to pray as we as we think about Christmas and we look at a few verses from this passage. Let's pray. Our Father God, I pray today that wherever we're at with you, that you would help us to see the great hope, the great truth of Christmas. And just like that first Christmas revolutionized our world, may it revolutionize our world. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I think Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year as the song goes. It seems like everyone is happy no matter how stressed we are. We, we get to a point where there's actually happiness breaks through. Uh, I was uh, with a bunch of my kids down at, uh, down at the Macquarie Centre and I uh, was with one of them. And I'm not sure if you've ever taken one of your kids to, to Woolies or Kmart or something I feel like in that section I'm saying no all the time. Oh, Dad, can we have this? No. Can we have this? No. Can I buy this? No, 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 no. And so I was a bit frustrated by the end, but we got to the, to the register and there was a lady there and she said, Merry Christmas with a big smile on her face. I said, yeah, it is actually a Merry Christmas. This time of year is a beautiful time. I was talking to a lady yesterday who came to the church service yesterday and she said one of the great things about Christmas is her fractured family comes together and is, is kind of happy for a few days over Christmas and it's a beautiful thing. Christmas seems to kind of change our world, albeit just for a few days. But here's the beautiful thing. The, the first Christmas didn't change our world just for a few days. It revolutionized our world. It changed the course of history. And there's some things that even if you are an atheist today, you owe to the very first Christmas, as we're going to see. But I want to ask you this question. As the first Christmas revolutionized our world, has Christmas revolutionized your world? Have you found the hope that only Christmas can bring? And if you're saying, well, no, it hasn't yet, are you open to having Christmas revolutionise our world? Because it's one thing to say, well, Christmas can revolutionise the world and it can revolutionise your world, but the question is, are you going to be open to having the first Christmas revolutionise your world? We're going to see three things as we look at this passage. We're going to see the meaning of Christmas, the scandal of Christmas, and finally we're going to see the invitation of Christmas. Just think of three words, the meaning, the scandal, and the invitation. Now, if you haven't got your Bibles open or you don't, didn't bring a Bible, that's fine. I'm just going to be reading a few verses. But if you have got your Bible there, you might want to turn back to John chapter 1. And I'm just going to read the first verse here. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I was told when I, when I took English, I wasn't a great student, but I was told that if you're going to start a story, your first line has to be great. And can I just say, this is a pretty poor first line. I mean, it just talks about this word thing, right? But think about what words do. Words communicate and words reveal. For, for, for example, right, uh, imagine you're at a party and across the, across the room you see someone and you've never met them before, Right? What do you know about that person from seeing them? 
not much. I mean, you, you kind of get their height, maybe their background, maybe, you know, what they like to wear, but they could be anything. They could be a really nice person who, you know, feeds the homeless people and all that kind of stuff. Well, they could be a terrible person. They could be, you know, an axe murderer or a fan of Taylor Swift. You don't know, you don't know what they're like unless they use words and they reveal themselves. Here, at the start of John's Gospel, it says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The whole point is God is using his word, he is speaking, he has become the word to reveal who he is. That is what he's doing, that's what Christmas is all about, God revealing himself. Now now think about this, if you went up to that person at the party and you started talking and you started talking about yourself, you started using words to talk about yourself, why would you be doing that? Isn't it because there's a sense in which you want that person to get to know you? And that's what God is doing right here. He is revealing himself because he wants you to know him. He's not just the God who is out there, who doesn't care about you. No, he is the God who at Christmas is saying, I am reaching out to you. I am walking across the party room of the universe so that I could know you and you could know me. Can you see how at Christmas, how special and important you are to God? You are not just a number on a database. You are not just a worker that if you died tomorrow, they would replace you. No, you are someone extremely significant to God. And that's why he is revealing himself to you. Now, here's the second thing. You know the word for word there? In the original language which the Bible was written in, in the original Greek, it's the word logos. And back in John's day, if you were a philosopher, you thought that the logos was at the center of the universe. And if you found the logos, you found the, the, um, the reason for your existence, the meaning of life, right? And so, here's the problem, though. Only really, really well-off and rich people back in that day could find the meaning of life, find the logos, because everyone else was working. And so, back in the day that this was written, there was different kind of levels of people. There were people who could search for the logos, and then there was everyone else. People weren't equal. And yet... This Logos, in verse 14, becomes flesh or becomes a person. The beautiful thing there is that everyone can know a person. Therefore, everyone can know meaning. And everyone can know what's at the center of the universe. And so you can know true meaning today. And you can know what life is all about, what the universe is here for. But here's the significant thing. You know how I said in the intro, even if you're an atheist, there's things that you believe that you owe to the first Christmas. Here's the first thing. How about universal human rights? See, back in when John was writing this, there wasn't universal human rights. There was different classes of people. But because everyone can know a person, 
and therefore everyone can know the Logos, what's at the centre of the universe, that meant when Christianity spread throughout the Roman world, that meant universal human rights came in. Have a listen to what a French philosopher named Luke Ferry, and he's an atheist, he says this. In direct contradiction, Christianity was to introduce the notion that humanity was fundamentally identical, that men and women, no matter their class, were equal in dignity. This was an unprecedented idea at the time, and one to which our world owes its entire democratic inheritance. I once heard a lecture from Luke Ferry, and he got people to say, put up your hand if you're a Christian. Pretty much no one put up their hand. And he said, put up your hand if you believe in universal human rights. And everyone put up their hands. And he said, you are more of a Christian than you realise. Because if you believe in universal human rights, you got it from Christianity. And so, can you see how Christmas actually revolutionises our world? It's not just a nice story about a baby and a few shepherds and a few wise men. No, this revolutionises our world. The meaning of Christmas is that God chose to reveal himself, to reveal who he is and to change our world. But there's also a scandal of Christmas. Have a look at verse 14 with me. This word that was God from verse 1, what happens to this, this word? Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God himself became human. That little baby, that little baby in a manger is not just another baby from that time. No, that is God in the flesh right there. And this is totally scandalous. Here's the way one pastor, Max Licardo, puts it. He says this, The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being born, God had come near. He came not as a flash of light, or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused and dirty. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. Can you get the picture of the truth and the reality of Christmas, that this is God who has existed from before the creation of the world and becomes a baby. He becomes just like you and me. He has now the ability to feel pain and to be sick and to be sad and to be, well, to feel everything that we do. Now, here's why that's significant. One of the things that we want in a God, I think, is the ability to empathise with us in our pain. So many of us have had really rough years this year, or maybe we're going through a rough time, or we've had a rough decade or so. And so many of us think, oh, well, I should talk to God. But if God is out there and he can't feel my pain, well, why talk to him at all? But, But if 
God has become human and has experienced exactly what you've experienced, he can empathise with you in your pain. I'll give you a kind of a silly, kind of negative example. A number of years ago, uh, I was playing basketball on, uh, in a team and we were, we were up by like 20, 30 points. It was like a minute to go. It didn't really matter. It was garbage time. I went up for a layup and uh, this guy took my legs out from under me and I landed like this. And I felt cracks in my elbows. And instantly I was in pain. And so I drove home. And I was in pain. And I, anytime there's a medical issue in our family, I call, we call my brother-in-law. He was studying to be a doctor. He's no longer a doctor. He's an anaesthetist. So um, it's a little medical joke for you guys. Anyway, if, if you guys get it. Anyway, uh, we called him up. And, and I said, look, look you know, it's, my elbows are really in pain. This is what happened. And he said, well, hands, you could go to St. George Hospital. We were living near St. George Hospital, to the emergency room there. You could do that if you wanted to. But it's going to be packed out. But what you should do is just take some Panadol, go to sleep, try and sleep, and go there in the morning. And here's the killer line. He said, because anyway... If your elbows are broken, they'll be still broken in the morning. And I just thought, what a genius. Isn't that just great, right? Thank you. Thank you for your compassion. A couple, couple of weeks later, as my, my elbows were in slings, I was like, hey, mate, look, you know, that was not really compassionate. And he kind of laughed. He said, yeah, I know, right? And I said, why, why was there no compassion? And he said, I've never had my you know, broken elbows, so I don't know what that was like. And so that's why I wasn't full of empathy, right? But, but can you see how that's different from the God of the Bible? If the God of the Bible has come to earth as a human, as he experienced what you've experienced, he can be empathetic with everything that you've gone through. Everything. He knows what it's like to suffer like you. Some of you guys are going, well, hands, I'm not sure that's true. But because this year I have lost someone who is so dear to me. But don't you realize that in John chapter 11, Jesus weeps at the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. Some of you guys are going, well, well, hands, I feel so alone. When Jesus went to the cross, all his friends abandoned him. He knows what it's like to be alone. Some of you guys are going, well, well, hands, I've had lies set against me, which, which actually uh, really affected me negatively. In fact, it, it's rocked my world. It's destroyed my world. Well, Jesus, when he was on trial, had a bunch of lies set against him too. And those lies sent him to his death. He knows what it's like to be betrayed and lied about. Some of you guys are going, well, hands, uh, I've been abused. And I want to say, Jesus may not have been abused exactly like you. But he was beaten, spat upon, beaten within an inch of his life. He may not have been abused exactly like you, but he knows what it's like to to be abused. Some of you guys are going, well, what were hands? Don't you realize my body is racked with pain? But when Jesus was nailed to the cross, his body too was racked with pain. He knows what it's like to live with pain. Some of you guys are going, well, hands, I have prayed to God to change my situation, but it seems like God is just silent. On the cross, 
Jesus prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the heavens were silent. The God of the Bible in Jesus has suffered like you in every way. And therefore, in your pain and in my pain, we can turn to him and he will have love and empathy towards you. And isn't that what we want when we're suffering? We want someone to say, I've been there, I know. That's what the God of the Bible can say to you in your pain. The scandal of Christmas is that God became like us in every way. And let's look at the last point, the invitation of Christmas. Have a look at verse 14 again if you've got your Bibles open. It says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Once again, you combine verse 1, the, the Word was God, and now the Word has become a human. What does that mean? That everyone can know God because God is a human being. And, and here's what, what happens. This destroys religion. Christmas is actually not about religion. Christianity is not about you being more religious. It is about God, about you knowing the God who created you, the God of everything. That's what Christmas is all about. See, see back in John's day, imagine, you, you know, if you're a Christian, you would go up to someone and go, hey, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a new religion. It's all about Jesus. And they would go, where's the temple? Oh, there's no temple. Oh, where's your priest? Well, Jesus is, is my priest. We, we actually don't need one. Oh, but, but what do you have to do to know this God? Well, he's done everything so we would know him. See, Christmas just destroys religion. It, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It is about knowing God. But also, notice what it says. What, 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 is, what is this Jesus brought? Have a look at the second half of verse 14. It says this. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What, do, what does Jesus bring? He not only brings himself to reveal himself, he brings two things, grace and truth. Let's have a look at that second one, truth. Jesus brings the truth about who he is, that he is God in the flesh, but he also brings the truth of who we are. And Jesus is very clear. He holds up to us a mirror where we can see ourselves and, and he says to all of us, we have not lived as God would have us live. We have lived selfish lives a lot of the time. Now, you're probably going, well, hands, I disagree with you. I'm not a Christian. Well, if you want to disagree with me, you want to disagree with Jesus, that's fine. But would you disagree with Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck in a movie called Dogma says this. In Dogma, he's playing an angel who's come from heaven. And here's what he says. The humans have besmirched everything bestowed on them. They were given paradise, they threw it away. They were given this planet, they destroyed it. They were favoured best among all his endeavours, his being God's. And some of them don't even believe he exists. And in spite of it all, he's shown them infinite patience at every turn. So, see, Ben Affleck, he, uh, or, you know, or the writers of Dogma are saying, actually, 
Jesus is right about us. We have just rejected God at every point. We, we become selfish. Now, you're probably thinking, well, I'm not sure I, I agree with that. Think about Christmas lunch. For some of us, we are not looking forward to our Christmas lunch because around the Christmas uh, you know, family table, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension because there was something that got said or something that was done many years ago. And there might have been something that we said all those years ago. And guess what? There's a massive elephant in the room, but no one acknowledges it. And you know deep down that you should apologize for what you said or did. But you don't want to. You don't want to because you think you didn't do too much. In fact, you know if you apologize, the other person wouldn't. And so you don't apologize. You just put it out of your system and live with the three or four hour awkward family lunch. If that is you, and I think that's a lot of us in this room, doesn't that say something about our hearts? That instead of reconciliation with our family, we would rather put our pride before that? Doesn't that... Doesn't that say or show what Jesus says about us to be true? That in the end we are self-centered thinking about ourselves. Isn't that what we're throwing away this Christmas? We're throwing away not only relationship with our family, but a relationship with God. But not only did Jesus come to bring us truth about ourselves, he came to bring us grace. Here's what grace means. Grace means that what Jesus says about us is true in every level, but he loves us anyway. It means that God loved you so much that the baby in a manger would grow up and die on a cross for you, taking your, the punishment that was due you. Grace means that, yes, you may be more sinful and broken than you would ever want to admit, but you are loved more than you can ever imagine. Grace means an absolute free gift of forgiveness. Grace means that God came down in our mess to save us and clean us up from our mess. A number of years ago, I took my daughter Emma to the movies she was about three and a half, four at the time. And we saw some dumb movie about penguins uh, in Zambia or Madagascar or something like that. And um, I wanted to be a good dad. So I, I took her to the, um, to the candy bar and I said, hey, uh, why don't we get a, pot, a small popcorn and a, and a uh, lemonade, right? So, so that's what we got. The problem is, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a small popcorn and lemonade from, from the movies. They're almost as big as a four-year-old, right? And uh, anyway, she, she went to, we, we went into the movies and as soon as she sat down, she was nailing both of them, eating popcorn like it's going out of fashion, drink, drinking this lemonade. I turned to her and I said, hey, um, you might want to slow down because you might feel sick. And she goes, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I didn't do the dad thing. I should have done the loving dad thing. So, no, you need a break right now. That's what, what, what my wife told me to do. And I didn't do that. Anyway, she, she keeps going. Half an hour later, she burps really loudly. And I said, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, I'm fine. But I could see in her eyes that she wasn't. 30 seconds later, she screams at the top of her lungs, I need to go to the toilet. And you can imagine what happens. Vomit goes everywhere. 
I pick her up. Instead of facing her the other way, I face her towards me, which is a bad idea. Get vomit all down my Steph Curry jersey, which I was which I was uh, wearing at that time. We, we go in and, you know, it's all happening. We go into the toilet. I put her down. She does her last little bit in the toilet and then she looks up at me and she says, Dad, can I have some more popcorn? <laughs> and, I, and I said, no. No. I told, didn't I tell you that you shouldn't be scoffing that down? And look what you've done to my Steph Curry jersey. I can't believe you would do this. And I grabbed, I grabbed a piece of paper, you know, a paper towel. I threw it at her. I said, go and clean yourself up, then I'll love you. Anyway, let's pray. No, I, I didn't say that at all, right? I didn't say that at all. I got down on my hands and knees and said, no, 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 no. You can't have another popcorn, a piece of popcorn. You've been sick, right? You know, you have a look at the shirt. Right? And, I, and I started cleaning her up. And I told her, as she started crying, I said, I love you, don't worry about this, right? You know, this is just my Steph Curry, my favourite Steph Curry. Don't worry about it, right? I love you. Christmas is God coming down to our mess, not to throw a, a paper towel at us and say, go and clean yourself up, then I'll love you. It is him coming down into our mess to clean us up, to cleanse us from our sin, our guilt and shame to say, I love you. Do you realize how special you are to God? Christmas is all about God revealing himself to you and me. Christmas is is about that relationship that he wants with you. Christmas has an invitation. It says this baby who is in a manger is going to grow up to be a man to die and take your punishment. That is due you. And the invitation here is this, that you can come and know the God of the universe this Christmas and every Christmas. So I want to ask you this, as you've opened up Christmas presents this morning, have you opened up the greatest Christmas present of all, a relationship with God? Because this Christmas and every Christmas, God has come to show compassion on you, to, to give you the meaning that you want and crave and the forgiveness and love that you're really searching for. Won't you take him up on his invitation this Christmas? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that at this Christmas and every Christmas, in fact every day, there's an invitation from you an invitation to know you. Thank you. At that first Christmas, you revolutionized our world by introducing yourself to us. Lord, I pray for those of us here that may not know you or are searching. I pray that they would take up the invitation that is there every Christmas, but especially this one, that they will find the meaning for their life they are looking and craving for. They will find the love and forgiveness that they really need in you this Christmas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to stand and sing our last two songs.